the cup and the leaf all to be one. Everyone knows there's a job to be done and with a team so fine. I'm proud they're mine. We'll be singing the song. Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their order by using code PODCAST at the checkout. Just head to www.starnaapparel.co.uk. Welcome to the Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association podcast, Walking Down the Holbeath Road. Join us as we take a trip down memory lane with some of the most iconic players and managers to grace the pitch at East End Park. From reminiscing about their glory days to sharing insights on the game today, these legends will offer a unique viewpoint on the beautiful game. I'm your host, Mikey Mokkevich, and on this latest episode, we speak to Jim Leishman, MBE, a former player, manager and director of the club. He's known for his unique style of man management and motivational team talks, but what did it take to bring success to provincial football clubs such as Dunfermline Athletic and Livingston? How does Jim think he would manage in the game today? And how did football management impact on his family life? So sit back, relax and get ready to relive some unforgettable moments as we walk down the Holbeath Road with Jim Leishman. Before we start, what about this season and the job James McPake's done at the football club? Ah, great, great, Mickey. You, you know, you know, I was really disappointed that we had had went down that to the third division. Really disappointed in that, and uh, some of the games this year haven't been terrific. But James was set a task at the start of the season: get us out of the division in one season. Let's get amongst the. Uh, possible uh, challenges of getting back to the Premier League next year and he's achieved that so well done to him well done to his staff and well done to all, all, all the players Yeah, 100% agree mate and was James at Livingston when you were there? I signed him as a boy Right He was playing and he uh, uh, was a decent player uh, I signed him as a striker we were playing at New Broomfield against Celtic in the, the BP Youth Cup uh, just before half time, we were one and two nothing. James McBate scored the two goals as a striker, and uh, involved in a challenge, and he broke his leg. Right. So you know, uh, I went in to see him in, at half time in the, in the treatment room before the ambulance, and we come back, and uh, I think it was jo- uh, you know, jo- uh, Archie Knox or Richard Goff. I think I think so. Yeah. It was either that or John Robertson at Livingston. He converted him to a, a centre half and then his career just kicked off and away he went. He transferred down south and brilliant. Superb, mate. Well, there'll be plenty of Livingston stories throughout this podcast, but I want to start right at the, the very beginning of your, your managerial uh, career. So, your appointment manager, Dunferman, on, in 1982, sorry, aged just 28. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the early days of management and how, how you got the job. 
Uh, well, uh, you know, Pat Stanton had left to go to Hibs, the team that uh, there was a hero there, and uh, Tom Forsyth was appointed. Uh, he, he came in uh, with Cammy Murray, the assistant manager. Didn't quite work out for Tam, a really good guy. Both of them, Pat Stanton, really legends uh, with their former teams. But Dunfermline were on the decline at the time, and, and uh, unfortunately Tam couldn't halt that. Uh, and and uh, he, he, Tam made me the reserve team coach. So I was in charge of the reserves when Tam was there, and uh, he, he, got, um, he got paid off. And I was put in temporary charge for two games, I think, three games or maybe. And Mr Waters, who was the chairman at the time, he said to me, Jim, are you interested in a job? I said, young boy, I says, well, I think there were 37 out of 38 teams. I says, well, I can only go down one place. I can only get down that again. And I says, yep, yep. I says, I really would. And you'll not believe this, Mickey, but I think at that time, there was over 200 applicants. On the Monday night, I was in the boardroom, and that's when I got offered the job, and uh, uh, I was delighted. All, all my intentions at the time was to be in the centenary book, beside Jock Steen, Willie Cunningham, George Farm, all the great, the great managers during the 60s. I says, my name's going to be in the centenary book, manager of Dunfermline Athletic. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't many players, former players, had, had achieved that at the time, and I'd missed out as a player because of my injury early on. So I says, right, I'm going to take it. I'm going to get £50 a week and six litres of petrol. And I couldn't drive. <laughs> so £50 a week I got. Yeah. And it was never about the money. No. It was just about... Well, but it was probably... Uh, the, uh, the You know, the, the players didn't do themselves any justice at that time. 37th for Dunfermline, 30 teams. The lowest they had been mm -hmm. since after the war. And uh, I decided to give it a go. Yeah, and like I said, you were only 28 years old, All so right. what was your mindset at 28 years old and, and how did you cope with? I've been in charge of the reserves and I got on great with the boys and uh, the boys, I think, enjoyed, the boys that were in the reserves enjoyed my style uh, when I was with them, encouraging them and shouting them on. And I can remember after one game we did well at Airdrie in the reserves and we won, we're getting beat, uh, I think we are getting beat one nothing, and we beat them, uh, we beat them 3-1. And after it, Jim Bowie, Jim Bowie was in the, the reserve team and I phoned him up and said, Jim, you're one of the senior boys in the team and I really appreciate what you, what, what you did and how you handle yourself. I know it's hard for you not to be in the first team, but great attitude, Jim, I appreciate that. So that was great. And then I says, why you know? Why you know? I'd been the manager at Oakley. I'd been the manager for a wee while at Kelly Hearts. And I did well, and uh, with eight teams, I did well. Although it's a junior league, it was a way down there. Yeah. But I said, ah, come on. Learn your come trade, on. though. Uh, well, I, I, learned, I, I learned how to handle people. Eh? Yeah. How did you cope with, with senior players? Obviously, there'd be players in that dressing room who were older than you. Is it no uh, problem? Or? Well, I, I, you had to get a mindset to say, hey, look at the whole picture here. 37 through 38 teams, they have no right to, I wouldn't say argue, but they had the right to stand up and say, look, this is this, this, because they had failed, eh? Mm -hmm. 26 part-time players, and they, they weren't, uh, not them all, but they, a lot of them weren't good enough, so there was no fear. Jim, yeah. go in, 
do what you think's right and they get on. I think uh, I think my strength at that time with the senior pros, I gave them the respect. I gave them the respect yeah. uh, uh, that they were due. You know, a lot of them, I had only played about 70, 80, 90 games, I can't mind, but as you say, they were older than me, some of them, and they were. And and, and uh, But I, I, I didn't look at them being older than me. I said, hey, this is the position we're in. Poof. Yeah, we're all the same type. Type thing. I, 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 no, I had to be, I had to be, I had to prove them I was uh, right. Mm. And what I brought back at that time, Mickey, was the respect that Dunfermline Athletic Football Club had. Yeah, and the pride. And the pride. Yeah. All these photos were taken down for the 60s. They were taken down and put in a cupboard. It's not about the past, it's about the present. Come on, come on, Dunfermline, you can't hide the history of Dunfermline in the 60s. 41 games in Europe. We should be looking at them and saying, wow. Yeah. We're proud of that. Let's go and achieve that. Let's get up. To, I'm not saying we could have got to back, but we did. We did go back to Europe later on. But but come on, you've got to have pride in your achievements. Yeah. What, uh, sorry, Jim. That, I was going to lead into what were the biggest challenges in those early days as a young, not naive manager, but obviously you're very early in your. I tell you, one of the first things was getting respect. Nobody feared. Nobody feared going to East End Park. Nobody feared the team. Uh, because that, uh, we're, we're, as I say, we're 37th. Nobody feared them. I had to, uh, I had to install this. Hey, let's make it difficult at East End Park. I took three days off my work. I was working in Cowdenbeath Job Centre. I took three days off when I got the job. And I got, and Mrs Craig, Fanny Craig, she was a cleaner, she was a tea lady, she was everything. A great woman, Kelly woman. And I goes in, and she was in the kitchen. And she was sewing. Uh, I says, what's that, Mrs. Craig? It's a football strap. I says, what you, what you doing? She says, I'm getting it ready for the Saturday. I'm sewing it because we'll need it for Saturday's game. And I took it to the boardroom at the night. I says, look, no wonder we're in this position. That's a strip for the first team and Mrs. Craig's got to sew it together. This is Dunfermline. And I had to say to the board, the, 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 the director, this is Dunfermline Athletic Football Club. No wonder. If we've not got respect in ourselves, how can we get respect for anybody else? Yeah. And I had to overcome that. I had to, overcome, I had to get the feelings, got the photos back up, I got talking about Dunfermline, how big it could be. At the start, I, I took over in October, I think, and uh, by the end of the season, we had moved up a couple of places. And so I, I, I had made up my mind, they'll have to go, they'll have to go or I'll go. Or I'll get, I'll get told to go because it's not going to improve. So I had to overcome that. It's the first time, Mikey, in my managerial career that I didn't, I didn't feel sorry for letting some people go. Okay, when you get a youngster who's got potential in that and he doesn't feel full that potential for different reasons and you say to them, look, I'm not going to sign you, they're broken hearted. Yeah. And you, you feel sorry for them at that time. You move on, but you feel sorry. and It's a hard thing to do sometimes. But at that time, no. Mm -hmm. No. Didn't they, didn't they have it? No. You've had your chance, you've had your opportunity, you've not taken it, I'm going to... Yeah. And that's when I brought the Watsons and that, and they. Yeah. Well, round about that time, we obviously start going up, up the league. So we finished third in 84-85, yeah. just missed out on promotion. You then brought Gregor Abel in to the club. What, uh, how important was Gregor for you in those early days? 
everybody, everybody, I, I've told everybody, you know, I was a manager, Mikey, eh? And I needed somebody to prepare the boys, eh? Get them up, get them, and I, I training and coached, I, I loved to train when I was a player. I loved getting out and, and, and running and training and all oh, the ball stuff and that. But I needed somebody like Gregor who, he was organised at the training, he got them all, I was always at the training with Gregor and that, but always a, a great, uh, and Gregor coming just before uh, when we finished that third top and that was a bonus for me Mikey if I can go back to that of course. position the third top because we got beat we, we thought we had got promotion between us and Alawa and Alawa I think were playing Arbroath or were playing Fort they were playing up that area Angus and we heard that they had got beat and we we beat Berwick Trevor Smith scored two goals I think but we beat Berwick 4 nothing that day and we all thought, oh, we've got promotion. It's runners-up. Yeah. It's runners-up. And I says, no. No. And we've missed it. We're improving. And then next year we won the championship. So instead of going up runners-up, we went up as champions, see, yeah. the next season. So that was great. And it gave me a chance again to strengthen the team. Yeah. So the progress starts to happen. So the next question I was going to ask is, how did you go about building uh, and managing successful teams? During your career, obviously, in the early days, we'll start off with. See, in the early time, Mickey, when, when after the, the, the initial uh, getting used to the players and letting... I'll, I'll give you an example. Andy Young was um, my... Uh, he was the guy that signed me for Dunfermline, the schoolboy, and he, he, before I broke my leg, he was going to get me down. He became Don Revy's chief scout in Scotland. He was going to take me down to Leeds United. Uh, I was valued at £50,000 then. And so I really trusted Andy, Andy Young to guide me and help me through. And uh, But I knew he wasn't going to be the trainer. I, I brought John Jobson in to do the coaching and whatever, jo who did a great job, John Jobson. And Andy was the manager of the team. He looked after them. And at the end of the season, that season, uh, David Wilcox... Davy Cut Wilcox, uh, and I was going to give Davy, I was going to offer him, Davy might know I took it, I was going to offer him a, a six months contract. And Andy, Andy said to me, Jim, why are you doing that? I says, well, I think, I think with the players, Davy, he's got a good attitude, he's, 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 he's okay. I think, but what if he doesn't? You've no progressed. Let him go, and you know, as soon as he goes out that door, he's away. You've got to bring somebody in better. You've got to bring better player in to help you improve. And that was great advice. Yeah. Then he muck about. Then he, then he think if that if if he does this and if he does that, no, get somebody. He's in doing that, and that's when I brought Davy Young in. Yeah. And then the team started to progress. That's when we started to progress. So it was it was all about signing. If you ask John Watson, if you ask all the boys, I think that was one of my biggest strengths. Signing better players than we had. Bringing better players in all throughout my career at Dunfermline and at Livingston. Yeah. Well, here's the next question leading on from that. So, how, how did you deal with player recruitment? Because obviously, nowadays it's changed so much with access to more digital and videos and analysis and stats. So, you, you, saw, you saw the players. I went to see the players. But the players we were playing against, you saw them. So, you, Gary Thompson, for instance, when he came in and we got promotion. Yeah, I paid 5000 for Gary Thompson, but he was the sort of player that I needed. Davy Moyes, who helped us get his promotion to the Premier League. 
I saw Davy Moyes at Meadowbank, so I'd, I, you'd saw them and you saw how they played against you uh, during the game. And so as Gary was five grand, Davy, I think Davy, Davy Moyes was two grand or something mm-hmm. uh, to Meadowbank, maybe three uh, in Westwater. I saw him playing the reserves with, with Hearts, doing at Green at Morton. So I'd seen them uh, uh, playing against us or in the reserves. Later on, Mark Smith, uh, Ian McCall for Queen's Park. I'd saw them. I'd, I would go and see Queen's Park, the amateurs. I'd go up to the old uh, news place at the very top and look down and I saw them. Mm-hmm. I tried to sing Mark Smith before he went to Celtic. Ian McCall I managed to sign them. Kenny Brannigan went down to Sheffield. But they were three boys who were amateurs and I was wanting to bring them in to add to us. I got Mark Smith eventually, mm-hmm. 35 grand, sold them for 110,000. Good business. But that's how, I, I, at the early days, I would go and see him. And even later on at Livingston. Yeah. Uh, was it still kind of the same concept for you when you were at Livingston? No. So the football was changing as, nah. as years go on. Uh, later on, it was more agents, dealing with more agents. And agents would bring them through and you would maybe get a look at them for a week at training. Yeah. Or you would go and see them. I would cover I would cover up here, this side. And David Hay would go to the Glasgow side. And, uh, you know, that's where I got Fernandez and uh, Broto. I knew Marvin Andrews, Stephen Thurston. I'll, I'll talk about that deal later on. Of course, but, yeah. Uh, 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 so, so uh, the majority of players, very few we didn't know. I don't think uh, uh, there was any player that came in we hadn't saw. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'd saw them all. Yeah. Early on, I'd saw them all playing. Has so there been any the, players throughout your managerial career that you watched and tried to sign and ended up going on and having a, an amazing career and he's like the one that got away type thing? Mm-hmm. Colin Davison. Callum Davison. Callum Davison, sorry. Uh, St. Johnson. St. Johnson, uh, I had him. Uh, he had fell out with Paul Sturrock. He was a student. Uh, he was at either college or university studying. And he came and uh, I'd seen him play. And uh, um, fitness-wise, terrific. Uh, so I phoned uh, Luggy, I phoned Paul Sturrock and said, Paul, what's the score? I ain't, you'll get him £15,000, I went to see Bill Hunter, I need 15 grand. Oh, if we can't afford that. Come on, 15000 Livingston. I think we weren't in the Premier League at the time, we were still trying to get there. Uh, and I went to Blackburn, Blackburn a, yeah. a year later for £1.5 million. So that's one that I missed. I didn't miss him, I wanted him, I just, we just couldn't yeah, afford him at the time. Yeah, just didn't happen, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I did any from your time at Dunfermline? I can't I think of anybody that I try to get. You mentioned the boy. Darren Paul. Jackson. Darren that was Jackson. Darren Jackson. Right. Early on. I'm, I'm trying to think the guys that... Now, Darren was playing with Meadowbank Thistle. And he, he, Terry Christie was... He knew he wasn't going to hold on to him. And uh, Terry, I can't mind what the fee was. But it wasn't exceptionally. It was 25 grand or something. Uh, but... Uh, they, they wanted 15% of any sell-on above the 25 grand. So if he come to Dunfermline, did really well, and they did well at the because uh, he went down to Newcastle yeah. uh, for 150 grand or something. So he would have got 15% of 125 grand, mm-hmm. but we got nothing. And Darren went down there, and well, you saw his yeah. career was great. Two Scottish internationalists you just mentioned. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah. they, they did great. Uh, and so that's two that I'd identified 
that I, I, I didn't get for different reasons. Eh? Yeah. Next question, Jim. What's been the most memorable moments or your proudest achievements in football as a manager? Oh, yeah, boy. I've got, honestly, this sounds big-headed, but I've got so many. Eh? I think, eh, well, as a manager, getting the job in the first place, genuinely, genuinely, because I'd been so young, break my leg and finishing, coaching in the juniors with Oakland Juniors for a wee while in County Hearts, and then getting the opportunity eh, to assistant manager at Cowden Beath at 25 mm -hmm. with Andy Rowland. My God. But so getting a wee chance, eh, was a great, a great moment. Walking out in that eh, eh, East End Park, walking out as a manager, I'll never forget that. that I, didn't, was, I didn't think, oh, doing the steps. I didn't think I even got a cheer. There was nobody there. there was, what, what, I can't mind, I mean, it was 600 folk or so. Mm -hmm. If there was that, 576, I think, was my first game, but getting down the steps and feeling great. I think my first game I got a draw or something, but that was a great achievement. A proudest moment, a proud moment. Getting the, obviously getting promotion, Mikey. So quick, and you know, I got, I won the second division, got promotion, and actually I got to the Premier League to take them, Fernland, as part of a team, to take them up to the Premier League for the first time. After being there when they were a top team in Europe, mm -hmm. taking them back with the elite in Scotland was fantastic. It must have been quite a surreal moment for you. How, how do you see looking back on it? Did, did you soak it up at the time or did, did it just go in a flash? Like when we went for this, when we won the championship and went up to the Premier League, I, I kind of mind. And I, I remember the last games when coming to the nitty gritty, uh, Meadowbank, Thistle, and, 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 and whatever, but I kind of mind much. Morton, because I was friendly with Al McGraw, going to Morton, they were a hard team to beat. Airdrie, all these teams were hard, hard teams to beat in, in the old first division. Uh, a pass out of it. Well, think about it, Mikey. My first full season, I was third. I won the championship the next season. Got promotion again. Got relegated. Got promotion again, and we stayed up. Mm -hmm. That was my that was my start in my career as a manager. Oh, it was just amazing. Yeah. How did I do that? What, what was I doing right? You know, but it was uh, it was just terrific. Every moment, learning for the experience of going up and getting relegated, I learned so much for that. When we went back up, we didn't get relegated. No, 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 under me. Yeah. And so that was just no again anyway. But that was just a great period. Mm -hmm. And Livingston third, second, first, third in the oh. Fairy tale stuff. Uh, 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 who's that, Mickey? It's great. Not just me, Mickey. I'd be a, a, a I'd be a a Bob saying it's just a bit. It's, it's pitting. Uh, but you built a good team off the pitch at Livingston as well, didn't you? That was really and at Dunfermline. Well. Aye, and at Dunfermline. Even in Monroe, we had a big fight, and uh, I'll come back about things I regret, but. Uh, Ian was good at his job, eh? mm. and and, and I'll, I'll give him credit for that. I've given credit for it, and the players. Man management, different styles. And that's what was working. But he wanted more, eh? So... Yeah. Aye, we'll, we'll come back to that. Aye. Something Aye. You, you mentioned, actually, about the, your, your attendance during your first season. Aye. So something that was really important at, at, to the football club at that time is the increase in the attendances. So um, I've got some notes here. So the average gate of the club increased from 1,500 in 1983-84 to 
and then by 88-90, it was 13,500. How did you go about doing that? It was all, it was a big part of your time there was getting out in the community, wasn't yeah. it? It was so important to you, yeah. meeting the fans and going out to the pubs, the youth clubs. Not well, just me, Mickey. Right. Tell us a little bit about uh, all that and how it came about. Well, to start with, nobody was interested, honestly. The interest in Dunfermline Football Club had gone, apart from, as you say, 1,500. And you're surprised we make it because I thought it was less than that. But but uh, there wasn't any community spirit. There was nothing. And what I did with McCarthy and Watson, they were big players at this time, they started a committee. So uh, if... The past supporters, the Jubilee supporters, the official supporters, all these guys, the, the scouts, everyone wanted a function. They would, I would, I would probably be with them most of the time, but they would organise two or three players to go along to attend. And that was a big thing. We, so became, we became a club in the community rather than a community club. We yeah. became part of the community. And see, when it was going, when things got hard, the fans... See that, hey, come on, let's get behind them. Let's because they're supporting us, yeah. and and that played a big thing. Hey, that, that 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 was great. From a supporter's point of view, it's so important to see players in your town or city, aye, aye, aye. in the supermarkets, in the aye. shops, everywhere. It's kind of missing in football now, isn't it? It's not a lot of them travel into work, aye. A yeah. lot of them are travelling into work, but I think now now we're getting a, a better response for the players now. You know, I think it had, it had gone for a wee while that they weren't yeah. no Some of them would do it, but know them all, eh? And when you do it, you've got to enjoy doing it, Mikey. You've got to enjoy... And in the early days, they were getting adulation, eh? Because they'd been winning. And they were getting this, oh, yeah, boy. This respect about... And that makes you feel good. Not only during the week when you're out there, but on a Saturday when you walk out, you want to go out there and you want to perform. Because you know the people you're performing for. Yeah, you've got that relationship, haven't you? You've got that, yeah, and, and that's a huge thing. Yeah. A huge thing in, in football. Brilliant, Jim. So the next question I was going to ask is, what were some of the key skills and traits you would say you need in being a successful football manager? Hey, personally speaking, I knew my strengths. I knew what I was good at. I knew what I could do. But I also knew, which was more important, what I couldn't do. And this is where I go back to the coaching thing. Mm. I, I could coach. I've got my badges and that, Mikey. Eh? And, and this is disrespectful. You can get a coach, but you need a coach to go and get them to organise the skills, the drills that you talk about and we all talk about. And, and right, we'll do this and we'll do that. And then, and then it comes to the nitty gritty. One sentence on a Saturday could ruin the whole mm. week. If you get something wrong on the Saturday, you've got, to, you've got to take it for there, for the training ground, into the performance on the Saturday. And that's what I was good at. That was, if, if I could blow my own trumpet, that's what I was good at. I would, the players used to love listening to my, my, my mental attitude talks, about getting, getting ready to play against the, the superstars. Have you got any that spring to mind that you could Oh, well, it was all in the paper. It was the... When we played um, in the early days, when we played Rangers in the Cup, the famous 2 nothing, and um, John Holt, Billy Kirkwood had got them, they, they had experienced that with Dundee United, the preparation. 
and I think it was John Holt come and says, Gaffer, uh, uh, we used to go up to the, the old course in St Andrews. We used to go up there and uh, uh, that's where we would prepare for the game. Brilliant. And I went up to see the guy. Russ Furlong, his name was. He was the general manager of the old course. And no budget or nothing. I nothing. I goes in and speaks to him. And I told him, I says, uh, Russ, I'm up. Uh, I'd like to bring the team up to prepare for the Rangers game, a big game for us. We've not played such a big game for years. He says, right. He says, uh, what's your budget? And I told him, he says, right, come up on the Friday. Come up on the Friday. You'll get, a, you'll get a, a dinner on the Friday night, pretty much meal on the Saturday, and you've got rooms because I've got plenty of spare rooms. I says, no, I want to come up on the Wednesday. And he laughed. Eh? He says, Jim, this is a old course hotel. I says, I'm doing a favour for you, what you're going to buy. I says, Russ, listen to me. I'm bringing Dunfermline Football Club up here to play in one of the biggest games we've played for years against Glasgow Rangers, Graham Souness. The media will be all over us. I'll make sure the players do all the interviews up here at the Old Coast Hotel. BBC, STV, Grampian TV will all be, all be here. Saints and Greaves, a national, national coverage will be here. The, all the national papers, photos on site at the Old Coast Hotel. Nobody's going off. Nobody's going off to uh, do any publicity out with the Old Course Hotel. How much are you giving me to come? That's what I said to him. And he laughed. That's what I did. That was my thinking. And uh, when I went to speak to the players, I said, guys, I can't pay you like Glasgow Rangers players as soon as guys. I can't pay you that. You know that. But I can treat you like them. Because mm -hmm. that's what you mean to me. And I went, I've got a deal. We're going away on the Wednesday. I took them up on the Wednesday. We played golf in the morning. We've watched Scotland versus Malta, I'm sure, in the afternoon. The boys out, out at night, up the town in St Andrews, I got a phone call for, I think, Stuart Beedy or Bobby Smith. I can't mind who it was. Gaffer, if we're getting chugged, can you get us a lock-in for a wee while for an extra hour? So I phoned the manager and says, look, there'll be no hassle. The boys will be fine. Can you, can you give them a lock-in for an hour? And the boys says, no, we we'll trust them. Great, and they come back and they... It was brilliant. My rules make it simple. I couldn't care what time you come in. Mm -hmm. Everybody, breakfast, everybody, eight o'clock. One person, no there at eight o'clock for their breakfast. As a team, you all get fined. Yeah. So what they're doing, if somebody's, come on, come on, we'll be late, we'll be late. Eight o'clock. Never, ever. togetherness, isn't it? So never, ever did any of the players let me do. They were always on time. And then, then on the Thursday, we started up at St Andrews University. We started on the playground, the, the training ground up there, terrific training facilities. And we started preparing for the game. And my talk that time was David and Goliath. Yeah. That's when I did the David and Goliath thing, where Goliath's coming through for Glasgow to, to give you a doing. And they says, but there's a wee boy called David and Dunferman who stood up to him took a step forward, fired the first shot. Goliath didn't expect it, didn't know what he would do. Hit him. And David won the battle. I want you to be like David and take a step forward. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to go back and just rely on defence. We'll have to defend like Trojans sometimes. 
we'll have to defend because they've got good players and whatever. But if you stand up there in the best form of defence is attack, let's get in there. Let's go forward and take them on. Yeah. And you went again what I gave the players. He believes we can do it. The manager, see, because if you think, oh, like, let's go do this and do this, and you, you fear that. You made them feel like they could win. Aye, they aye, that's, that, that was my job. Every, every game, and Rose Jack, at the roller coaster years at the Alhambra Theatre, Rose Jack said that, he says, no matter who we played on a Saturday at East End Park, no matter who it was, the manager made us feel as if we could win that game. Yeah. No matter who, at three o'clock. A few of the other players we've spoken to have said the exact same. We've actually heard a, a couple of stories about Martin Luther King. Ah, I did that. that was... Robert the Bruce you've ah. used. And, and then John Watson told us a story before about, used to say about the, the, the woman who was in the care home behind ah. the stadium. And, and <laughs> yeah, Wish. <laughs> John thinks it's a kid on. <laughs> I went to see her before we playing Arbroath. Arbroath, and she's, oh, she, was, she was on her deathbed, obviously, and she wanted to see me. And she said that, she says, look, Jim, I've been, I've done, my, me and my husband have been done, I've not got many, many, she said, days, I've got, and you're playing my, my dying wishes, I wanted just the good news that Dunfermline's won, the last game, I was, and, and I was like, oh, there's tears are just, and I went and did that, I told them, the, the, the boys are all shit, I was like, oh, shit, but it was the truth, Yeah. I told the true story about this, that's what it meant to that woman, who was dying, Dunfermline winning. And the big winker to this day says, no, you made that up, man, you made that up. But they went out and they won, eh? They went out and won and I was up the next day to tell her, but she had passed away during the night. Sad. And, no pressure on you to win that game. Oh, <laughs> thank you, but that's it. But that's it. And I was trying to convince the boys that I'm telling the truth, yeah. eh? There's a question. You, even to this day, you're asked to go and see a lot of people who are Aye. very sick in hospital or represent yeah, yeah. the club or Aye. the council officer at funerals. How do you cope with that? Is that it's obviously a massive honour doing so I experienced that a little bit myself when I worked at club and going to school's funerals, but yeah, yeah. it must be really hard, eh? It's a ah, it's difficult, Nicky. Mm. I'm quite an emotional guy, believe it or not. You can in the football yeah. your your temperature and your your blood pressure's are way up high, but I'm quite an emotional guy and Yeah. And sadly the last person I went to see in the hospital was Willie Callaghan Jr., eh? Yeah. And I had a great hour and, hour and 20 minutes with him, just talking about, reminiscing about his career. And, and uh, Sadly, um, well, he passed away, yeah. And, uh, but uh, supporters, you go to funerals, Mickey, I've seen you there and yeah. I've been there. And, uh, you get so much respect for it, even, even I, was, I, was, I was through an airman at John Sweeney's. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went up to, to Schoon uh, to see Bill Hunter, the chairman, who gave me the job at Livingston, went to pay my respects here, because I appreciate that he gave me the opportunity. And John Sweeney was a legend, you know, for the '61 team. These guys are, course, yeah. and they uh, so well respected. And um, uh, these are the things you do. But uh, it's hard when you when you go and see somebody you didn't know, and they've been adult, and they want to speak to you and say, look, and they've got their own their own stories. Eh? Yeah, but I just think that they've they've spent their time supporting me, whether it's been at Livingston or whether it's been at Dunfermline. They've supported me through my career. It's only my time that I'm giving up for them. Yeah, which is no no that, that my time's not a problem. It's the emotions that of becomes a problem. It's hard. It's an amazing thing you do, Jim. Aye, so, aye. superb. Uh, going back to the football side, I wanted to kind of highlight the your climax season at Dunfermline the first time, the eighty nine ninety season. 
Whereas we topped the league in November. Oh, exciting Cosma, Boyle, the rugby, the squad's brilliant. There's a real feel good factor. The crowds are massive. What's your memories of oh. that season? That, that seems to be the season a lot of that, fans from that era speak about. That, that's probably my best team in Dunfermline. That was probably my. Because you had Paul Smith, you had Ray Farnham, you had Davey Allen, all the boys. And they, they were all great. They were a great team. There was a great togetherness. And I remember it was, it was my birthday on the. Was it the day before or the day after? And we're through at Motherwell and they. Was it Cosmo that scored? No, Ross Jack. Ross Jack. Cosmo, yeah. Cosmo passed it to he him. He crossed it in, I he think. He crossed yeah. it in, and Ross, Ross had a great season that year, and uh, uh, 1-1, and we topped the league. Four days. I, that was a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, so we played Hertz on a Saturday. We got humped 4 nothing, but we're top of the league in November. Amazing, eh? That, come on. Again, sometimes you get a, two or three games, or you win the two or three games at the start of the season, and, you know, you're... You're top of the league in goal difference or whatever, whatever. But in November, Christ, I, I, I just, I, I hate you get the cut into that. I hate you get the cut into that. Top of yeah, the league. league table. <laughs> and that squad, you mentioned some of the names there. Any stories about your Georgia Boyles or oh, Ray Sharps, Davy Irons? Was Raymond away at the time? No, he was, no, he was still there. Through, <laughs> coming through. Uh, did Raymond make his debut that season against Hibs? Season before, before, think, yeah. Uh, yeah, but oh, good players. Eh? Think about it. you had Cosmo, George Boyle, Ross Jack, just a year, uh, two uh, of them international uh, players. Yeah. Ross Jack finished the second, John Robertson, of has beat him as uh, a the golden boot, golden boot in Scotland. You know, what, what, what achievement for Ross Jack. And I uh, see he's in the Hall of Fame this week. Well done to Ross, and uh, it was just phenomenal. Okay, what they what they did until November, and then obviously the the big boys they're always they're always going to overtake you yeah. long long term. But to, to do that and we survived that season, yeah. which was the aim, wasn't it? No, but uh, to ultimately, go, well, I, I like to think we were better than that, but uh, but we stayed up and we were strengthening the game. I've asked that a couple of the players from that kind of time. Uh, Do you think that's that group of players underachieved that season? No, there are a lot of good teams, Mikey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aberdeen was stronger. Dundee United was stronger. Uh, Rangers and Celtic were always strong. So there's four teams. Hearts were a strong team. So, you know, no, no. Uh, were we fourth? I think we were only maybe six points off finishing fourth in the league. It was really tight. So that's no underachievement, Mikey. No. You can let's get real here. Eh? That 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 was uh, that, that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were a, a lot of good teams at the time, and you had the Sooners Revolution and all this. Yeah. Know, and Celtic, Celtic responded. Was stronger, yeah. But the Celtic responded to that. So it was always. Yeah. No, no. Some great games. Some great games. Brilliant. You mentioned his name earlier, Ian Monroe, who came uh-huh. in. And obviously that, that was your last season at the club. There was a mm-hmm. lot of grumblings. Yeah. And then at the end of that season, what, what's your memories of how that all kind of came I knew there was a problem, Mikey. I knew there was a problem. I went on holiday with my wife. We were in Cyprus and uh, Milo's Jidzik. Yeah, big centre half. The big centre half. Now, we got, I think I contacted Blair Morgan and said to Blair, look, this boy's available. And I was going to go across to see him in Spain. He played with Mallorca or Mallorca or something like this. But the game, or he was in the plane, and so I didn't go. 
But I went down as a guy uh, who was taking uh, Yugoslavian players to Hertz at the time. So I went and seen him and talked to him and he gave me the manager of Yugoslavia's number. And they all spoke really good English. So I phoned him up and he says, look, his best season's been behind him, he thinks. Um, and uh, he said, personally, he wouldn't going to take a chance on the boy. Then I was away across and, and I got a I got a text, an email or whatever, a text saying that they had signed him. I says, Oh, I've got a problem here. And when I come back I found out what the problem was. He wasn't he happy, obviously. Yeah. They asked me to stay and do this job and that job, and I says, No. No. Just wasn't for you. No. And obviously what followed in, in the summer that year, the big protests and uh, lots amazing. of water stopped going. What uh, was that like for you and your family at that, that point? Well, my, Mary took Jamie in. And did you take Kate into Dunfermline to see it? And then she phoned me and says, oh, wow, this is amazing. Amazing, Jim, what the people are doing for you here. Mm. I got the police officer in charge. Yeah. He phoned me up and says, Jim, if you come near the town centre the day, I'm going to arrest you because there'll be a riot. I says, look, need no problem. And then I met the fans on the Sunday doing it at uh, the public, the public park. park and there was yeah. quite a lot turned out. And, I just asked, I can remember asking him, there was a tear in my face, I says, look, what's happened, happened. What's happened, happened, I says. Uh, it's not going to change. Please keep supporting Dunfermline Athletic. Yeah. The team's more important than anybody. So, and I, I, I asked him to do that. But a lot of the boys didn't come back. It took us years and years and years yeah. for them to come back. The Flemings and... But Bokley Travel Club, a lot, a lot of the supporters clubs just stopped, disbanded after that, didn't they? I, I think stopped. we had 28 supporters uh, clubs. Unbelievable, Mickey, because when I sat there, it was only two, maybe three. Mm-hmm. You had the Jubilee, the Fairland Official Supporters Club, and the Pit Bokley Three. Or was the Jubilee the official supporters club? I think it was, and then it uh, disbanded maybe and created uh, the two, I think, uh, maybe at one point. So, and then, my God. Incredible, eh? Incredible to get that. And the crowds, we, we, we showed 13 seasons. And they were coming every week. Buses, it was great. And the important thing was, it wasn't just supporters' buses from Dunfermline. No. They were from Kirkcaldy, Kinross, Perth, weren't they? They were from Edinburgh. They were from the all the place. Was it the old Great Toon? Mm-hmm. You had Kirkcaldy, you had JTs. And, uh, Parasites, I think, were one of the Kirkcaldy ones. That, Car- well. Parasites was a <laughs> great names. And uh, what was the one in County? There were two in County. There was one in Ophelins, JTs. Yeah. And they went to the junction, no, the junction at the top. Because yeah. they had all the supporters, man, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Will we get that back again? I don't know. I hope so. Oh, I hope so. So, yeah. But no, it was an amazing time. It's sad time. It's a sad time for me, Mickey, because, yeah. you know, I, I, I felt I was building something. Yeah. And after that, I just didn't work out for them, and it was crazy. Yeah, reflecting back on the protest and that whole part, of, right. someone that was uh, instrumental in all that was Stuart Adams. Oh. So, have you got any stories and what's your memories of I pals with Stuart? Jim, Jimmy, uh, Mr Waters was the chairman and he says, Jim, and the club was struggling for money at the time. I think their, I think their budget was £20,000. £20,000 was their overdraft limit. Can you imagine that, Mickey? Twenty grand. And At the time, I was trying to sign uh, Alan Forsyth. Andy Young again. I was looking for a bit of experience. Uh, at the back, and he says, Alan Forsyth, uh, Ray Throvers, Elvis, who the players loved him, eh? And I think it was 1,500 quid, Ray Throvers, and it took me three weeks to get 1,500 quid to bring him in, eh? 
That's how that's the situation at the time. But so uh, Mr. Waters said to me, Jim, Stuart Anderson, big guy, he's a dumb film supporter. Do you think he'd be interested in joining the board? So I went down and I met him. It was a Monday night, yeah, I kind of mind. And we had a couple of pints in the somewhere else. We were sitting and we were talking away about he played for the foot at the time and, and I said half and oh grab it boy at the fat boy and uh, but he loved the pars and his son Callum and that and, and I says Stuart what do you think I've been asked to ask you would you like to join the board a fresh face and you know you're very successful the the, the community will join in with you and whatever eh? can you imagine me sitting in the director's box on a Saturday and the referee makes a mistake. Come on, ref, be fair. He says, no, I'm over there shouting, hey, you, you get the... And they swear, they said, oh. He says, no. So that, that, was a, that was an interesting meeting with Stuart. Brilliant. But he used to phone me, Stuart used to phone me uh, when he was on tour. Uh, uh, what was it? The Seer album, when they did the Seer in history. Uh, what was, it? What was it? the history song? I'm not too familiar with that album. The, 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 the rehearsed at East End. Yeah. The, the, the rehearsed at East End, that was a great week for me. How did that come about? Oh, did just, they approach just, you? Uh, no, just a meeting. Just a meeting. They, they were rehearsing in London, costing a fortune. I said, Stuart, I've got a big gymnasium. Come down and see it. Come down with, with Bruce Watson. Him and Bruce come down and see it. He says, this is ideal. Rehearsals, he says, can we bring us? I says, take it. He says, much of course. I says, I didn't again. I went to be in London. He says, give me some some what you pay, but no. And I think he gave us 1,500 quid for rehearsal, which was, well, that would pay for all for side. Eh? So they come in and all oh, this stuff, they've got a guy, the, the sound guy, the soundboard, what do you call him? Aye, like all the tech stuff. Aye. Aye, aye the mixing deck. Mixing deck. He come from Los Angeles, this top guy, so the, oh, this was gone and... Look Away, that's the song. Ah, look yeah. Away, look, that was on it. And, Brilliant uh, song, yeah. And uh, I'm in. And oh, Stuart Adams, what they finishes rehearsal, all the soft drinks, water, juice, and no alcohol in there, nothing. Uh, just that. And so they would, and they would all get Mark Garokovich, or what you call him, and uh, Tony, and Bruce, and uh, Stuart, and the rest. And, and that was great. And then, Sure, want to just go out and get a ball and shoot into the goals. After that, that's what they're doing. Amazing, eh? There's a few pictures of that actually. Uh, great, great, and they and 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 they the rehearsed and that was it. Great. And then I met eh? Local bands then started using it. Eh? So it was an income stream for the. Yeah, the they football. were coming in to rehearse, and we did. That's that's where the rehearsed uh, White China White was one China, of them. Aye. The Syndicate. The Syndicate. Little... That was two of the boys. Oh, them fellow supporters. Aye. It was great to, to come in and, and rehearse. And talk, talk about <coughs> these bands, I want to rewind a little bit. The EastEnders. The EastEnders. Tell right. us about the EastEnders and how that all come about. And well, Blair Morgan and his son wrote this. It was, it was Dunfermline's centenary year and it was EastEnders' first anniversary. The EastEnders show, it was their very first year and they thought we'd release a, a song about the EastEnders. We're the boys from East End Park and, and uh, we'll invite it down to well, before we got invited down to Pebble Mullet One, we had to go to Edinburgh to cut the to cut the disc. It sounds professional to cut the disc, and they, the boys didn't keep the words. They them, and half of them couldn't sing. I can't sing. The, the half of them couldn't sing, but we went across and 
وهذا الشيء قوي وكات الناس كان ذا بويز اوف يور تشاف وي ديد ا ايدو رود جوين ا وي دو بيبل مول ات 1 وي ديد بيبل مول ات 1 ان ذا نيكست دي وي وينت تو اسن فولا ستريننج جراوند ان ايفنز ويز اسن فولا ا ان الاو دو ستريننج ويت ويز جريت ويز جريت سيام اند اي كومين جون ان رايت تو ذا شو and a uh, uh, big john and well uh, uh, rather too much to drink the night before so i didn't allow him to moan eh? but i'll let big winker tell you that story but the problem we had we all thought we we're going doing they put the disc on we would mime or sing along to the disc you wouldn't hear us they would turn us off but we'd be singing to the disc and that's it the, the pump the punters would hear the music and the song that was sounded all right but no the musicians complained because we were doing them a job you know they they were professional musicians and if you put the disc on Stephen and got to play they wouldn't get paid so we had to wait on them so they they, they got the words they did it and it come do 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 and oh no so this I had to speed up and everything so there was a floor manager brilliant Stephen Morrison Brilliant, Stevie. We're on the floor, and he says, "Right, this is where you line up. I'll give you a countdown. One minute. So that we get ready. Thirty seconds, twenty seconds, ten seconds. Then I'll be my fingers two, and I'll point, and that she's on. Well, she got done in the rehearsal. She got done five, four, three, two, and she pointed. Well, Stevie Morrison farted. Oh yeah." <laughs> you got a live audience. Anna Wing, who was in the East Enders, and all the live audience there got the Dolphins cap. They go like that. And we were all. I'm trying to climb our bodies to punch Steve in the chin, <laughs> and Steve. I'd be, oh, he's got that wee sorry face. Oh, Gaffer, and that's what he goes like. Oh, Gaffer, and then he came. Brilliant, but funny, funny. It's one of these moments that you'll never create again. And everybody laughed. It everybody. And when it come to the, the rehearsal, again, I, I'm just waiting, Stevie, don't you dare, don't you dare, we sang it, eh? And then we went training, and, uh, uh, and then on the Friday, I got interviewed, we're playing Wraith Rovers on the Saturday, and the reporter says, Jim, will you be singing these standards on Saturday? I says, aye, for, for two and a half, I'll get, I'll get the credit, well, because Big Winker scored two goals, we're one and two and a half, and I'm out the dugout, and the Dunfermline fans are all singing at the Dunfermline end. And the referee booked me <laughs> and signed trouble. That's his joke, I'm trying to sing, man. Oh, it was, and we drew 2-2. Two, two. We Billy Harding scored and, and Paul Smith, maybe. For his I can't mind who, who it was, but. So we drew 2-2, two, two, but that was, that was good, getting booked. It's worth it, though, eh? Oh, it was fun. The, the fans were brilliant. Eh? See, see that, that kind of... It's a big, it was a big part of your time, the PR side. Mm. So obviously that was a great PR tapping on the whole EastEnders. Uh, everything. Uh. Was that something that came natural to you? Obviously the, there was the famous cowboy photo <laughs> after the Rangers game, and uh. there was loads. Oh, but of you came with the stuff. cowboy photo was Mickey. That was nothing to do with football. Nothing to do. I, my wife was. Uh, they were in was it Calamity Jane, and that was well Bill Hickok. So I was actually out there with the cable hat, the big cigar, with a gun and all like this, and I was promoting Kelly Musical. 
to get them publicity about the show. That's all I was trying to do. And then, Christ almighty, that went viral, that stupid thing. It was a good laugh. Brilliant PR, though. Oh, it was great, because people took it for the football. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were going to gun them down and all this. And that was a, the, the big shooters and all this. So we got some good, great. Did that come natural to you? Oh, God, you I, don't I, even I, have to think about the PR stuff and no, come I, up with to get coverage in the papers. At, I, I did, the it didn't bother me. Mickey, where did he, where did he something early on to get the fans? If it, you know, I had to convince the fans that we're, go, we're building a good team here. Come on, come back, come back and help us. But that's not something every football manager could be capable of. You you just had that skill set to. I, I just I just enjoyed it. doing it, making just getting meeting the people, and I enjoyed when I saw the crowds going up. How do you, I feel when you? I felt as good as the players when I walked out and see all this. The same when I went back with three mm-hmm. games to go, they were averaging four thousand people, four and a half thousand. I went my first game back that year. Uh, there was eight and a half thousand turned up. Did they turn up to see me? Uh, maybe some of them, but they turned up to, to to say hey. And I convinced them, we need you now. That photograph, we need you now, eh? Yeah. And 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 they turned out. And then the one at Tannadice, I don't know if you're, we'll touch on that later on, but yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal achievement for these boys. Amazing. Like I say, we'll, we'll touch on that uh, in a wee while. But after your time at Dunfermline, when that that. Obviously, difficult spell in 1990. You have stints at Inverness and then Montrose, which were really difficult. Why, why did those not not work out for you? What? In, in, uh, uh, it worked out at Inverness for me, Mikey. Right. Mikey, I, I lost my first two games. Four nothing and five nothing at Inverness. Then I won ten games out of ten. 30 points out of 30. Signed Wally Carrigan. Young Wally Junior. And a boy called Wally Spence for Rosite, who was a Scottish international, junior international. Two good players. Wally became a star in Inverness. Goals galore. They loved him. So, and I got them to the, the Inverness Cup final. And I think we, we zoomed up the league. We were team of the month uh, three times after the first two games. 30 po- and what, my, my second game was up at Dingwall. We got beat for Bobby Wilson was the manager. Who, who uh, I gave a job to at Dunfermline and they went up. We got beat 5 nothing. In my 10th game at King's Mall, it was against Ross County again. We beat them 1 nothing. So that was the difference, that was the turnaround. So I did well at We are Flow Digital Pharmacy and we are proud to sponsor the Walking Down the Holbeath Road podcast. Our easy-to-use app is a convenient way to access your NHS prescription medication and our team of trained pharmacists are helping thousands of people to access the support and medication they need. If you're registered with a GP who's based in England, you can use the Flow app to securely and conveniently send them NHS medication requests and arrange delivery to a location of your choice at a time that suits you. This means you can avoid the hassle of contacting your GP and making unnecessary round trips to eventually collect your prescription. Find out more at WeAreFlow, spelled P-H-L-O. That's WeAreFlow.com. If I, would, if I hadn't done well at Inverness, Mickey, I wouldn't have got offered the job at the Montrose if I was a failure. No, they were so sad to see me go. You weren't there long, were you? One season. Was that your decision? Or oh, it was me. Was it the travelling aspect? No, 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 no. Went up on a Monday, come back on a Wednesday night. Because yeah. they trained on Monday and Wednesdays. So... And I did a bit of commercial work for them on the Tuesday. Just as far to go to Montrose, Mikey. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on Montrose right. next, but right. linking into that, what you just said there about you were up north half right. the week, every week. Right. How, how did football 
management impact on your family life? It must have been so difficult to have that balance because you can never switch off, can you? No, no. Monday to Wednesday, it was all right. So you had Thursday and Friday, you, had, you weren't doing anything. Saturday, I went up on the Saturday, come back. And, and Mary and I, they, they were, they, she was just to, most of her married life, eh? she was just to me going up. But she enjoyed the success as well, Mickey. She would come up to Inverness. Uh, she would come up to see some of the games and uh, enjoy it. She would enjoy meeting the people and Vanessa people, and so it was not. It was, it was, it was never an issue. Yeah, yeah. I think once I, 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 I had a chance of going down south to uh, to York City, uh, but the kids had just started the. Uh, Kate had just got into that, and Jamie was just starting the primary school. So that was that was why, and I was enjoying the filming, so there was no need to go. So then Montrose, touch on Montrose. So how's your your spell at, <laughs> at Montrose and? How did it work for you? That didn't work well. It didn't. Great chairman, Brian Keith Bonacord Glass. And I was disappointed. I, 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 we got to the semi-final of the Challenge Cup, got beat off in Morton, doing it Greenock, and I think it was penalties, eh? Or extra time. We got to extra time, I know that. David Latter, the goalie in Montrose, was brilliant. The, the youth team, I started a youth team. Walker McCall was in charge of the ex-Aberdeen. Uh, and we got to the semi-final of the Youth Cup. We got beat off of Hertz. Seven nothing. Who went on to win it? They had other great players at the time that were coming out of the first team. I think eight of them went into the into the first team. But we got to the semi-final, which was a great achievement again. Three of the boys I think went into the first team, which was major. But the first in the league games, that nah, just didn't work out. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. And during that time, I got offered the Cowdenbeath job. Gordon McDougall come to see me at Cowdenbeath. Uh, and when I stayed in Cowdenbeath, Jim, do you fancy? I said, Gordon, if I get beat two or three games on the trot at Cowdenbeath, get away your townie and all this. So I didn't want to do it. I never said nothing. And at the end of it, me, me and the kids were going to America. We were going to America for a holiday. Florida with the beer and say, and there was £1,500 in dollars in an envelope for the chairman, Jim. I says, why you give me that? What's this? All about? He says, you didn't tell me about cow and beef. I says, why didn't I have to? If I come and say to you about cow and beef, you would think I'm wanting a rise in wages. I said, it was nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. He wanted me to stay, Mikey. Mm-hmm. But, no, nah, I wasn't, wasn't enjoying it. Eh? Wally Callaghan, who I signed for fifteen grand for Inverness, goes, Wally... Well, it was a, a, a huge success in Inverness. I loved them. The Cal, eh? The Gallop and Cal. And they scoring for fun. Uh, yeah, I bought them for 1500 for Kelly Hertz, uh, or I bought them for, Inver- uh, for Montrose for 15000 after a year. So great, they, make, they got money out of uh, Inverness. And mm-hmm. So uh, the biggest transfer ever in the Highland League. For a fullback, twelve thousand Bally Skinner, twelve thousand pound for Inverness Thistle to Inverness Cali. Bally Skinner, good player. I wouldn't want to let him go and I was playing hardball with him, so I got him up to twelve grand and great. So twenty seven thousand I made. And <laughs> 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 two deals, but they were delighted and I went but it didn't work out in Montrose and you put your hand up, eh? Didn't work out for Davy Hay at Dunfermline. Put your hand up, Jim, it's no work too. I went to Lohoa. For ten games, the whole welfare, my pals, 
and it came in with Gark. And they, this uh, is Jim, Billy Davis has parked in. No done well, will you take her? And I knew some of the boys, eh? And they, I says, I'll help the last time. And they wanted me to stay. I says, no, I'm not staying. But I, I think I'll go beat two games and won the eight. It's just all right. Then I stopped and that was me finished, eh? Mm -hmm. And then Rosyth Rec asked me, Charlie Crawford, says, Jim, and Bertie and Dick had just left there and uh, to take up the Dunfermline job. So I says, why not? I'll do it. But again, I was, I was just finishing off that year. Yeah. Three cup finals. I got them to three cup finals. I got beat for Hallibeth in the three cup finals. They were by far the better team. Yeah. But I got them to three cup finals. I couldn't believe it. And we got beat in the three cup finals. And then I got the phone call for, for Bill Hunter, Meadowbank, to go and take Meadowbank. So for, for two months or whatever, a month, six weeks, I kind of made. And then. The rest is at Livings. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a wee while, but a couple of other questions I'm going to ask. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing football today? Just put a wee curveball in there, Jim. Uh, biggest challenges is uh, getting the, the people to come back and support their team. Eh? They'll come back for the big games, a big cup game, but getting them there on a Saturday. You know, every team has the potential, the firm has a huge potential to get the gates up. And they're starting to improve now because you're winning, which is a major thing to attract players. You, you've got to do that. Getting sponsorships, big sponsorships. I, I can put a group of people together to buy a football team. I can I can do that and get people, right, can you? But that, what happens after you buy them is is the, the secret. Where can you get money then to keep putting in? Because it, very rarely you can take out it's for the enjoyment and you've got to have lots of money to do that. So it's getting investors that can, you know, at Livingston we've got people, but it wasn't, it wasn't dear to buy the club, but to, to take it to where it went, it was needed investment. Mm -hmm. So you getting good investors, yeah. people that have money that they can, if there is a hard time, that's not going to affect, you know, paying people off for yeah. Administration that they can go through the bad times to get to the good times, and especially in Scottish football, there's so uh, little money, isn't there? No, very TV much. TV deals and sponsorship—it's it's no. very difficult. Difficult to get money. You no, know, you can get your advertising boards, Mikey, and you know, I didn't even know what Dunfermline paid. At my time, it was—I think it was four hundred pound a board, and I hardly had a board. And I can remember Alec Ferguson saying when we played them in the centenary game, he come down and says. Jim, what a great job you've done. The boards, look at this. It looks really good. All the, all the sponsors and everybody coming back to it. And because we're starting to, they saw the potential. Yeah. So you're getting that. It never keeps you afloat, but it, it adds to it. Eh? Yeah. And you need a lot, a lot of good backing in the community. And now we're a city. Hopefully they support the, the team, eh? I think so. I'm pretty confident it's going to increase. Aye. Uh, back to the, the questions, how important is uh, team culture and morale to a success of a football team and how did you deal with people who were perhaps negative in the dressing room? No, you didn't deal with them very long. Everybody got a chance with me, Mikey, right, to answer your last question first. No, and if they weren't like to be part of you, out, cheerio. Why, why are they negative? One, they're not getting a game. Mm. Whose fault is that? Theirs. 
So they had to sort the ceremony before, before uh, 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 coming in and being negative. The ones that, that's the only ones that were negative. At Livingston, right, we had honesty meetings. We would get all the players together, right, doors shut, what's the problems? What, what, what do we need to solve? The first one, the training. Now, me and uh, we, we were in charge of what we were doing. So how's that a problem? Well, we used to get quick feet and, uh, sorry, we used to get stamina work and we felt strong. Now we're getting quick, high tempo stuff and that's great, but we're no, so the training's not right. Easy solved. We'll, we'll introduce mere stamina work. Hey, get rid of the problem. One of them was, uh, I'm not getting my expenses. Now, all the teams there, the financial uh, lassie was there, she was in the meetings. Jesse, how are you not paying them? Well, if he reads it, he's got to have his expenses in by the 17th of the month and he'll get paid. He spit them in on the 19th, two days later, it's done. So he's not getting paid because it's too late. You'll get the next one. So addressing the problems head on straight away. That's the easy solutions to the problems. So you're reducing all the problems. What you're concentrating then? Saturday, three o'clock. The food. How did you find dealing with... Obviously, there's the football side, the tactical side, uh -huh. preparing for matches, but on the flip side, you've got players who maybe have mental health issues or issues at home. Or mm -hmm. How is that as a manager trying to... Obviously, your man and management skills are well known. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's an individual case, Michael. You know, you didn't, you didn't go to an honest meeting and say, hey, hey Mikey, hey, what's the matter with you? What, your, your mental attitude, what are you? You know, no. There's... That's a different game. If you find out somebody's, somebody's got a problem, right? And you always find out if there's a... But very rarely during my time, Mikey, I had to deal with that. Eh? Come in, is it a financial problem? That was it. I can't handle the money and I'm not getting enough. I'm getting myself into debt. That was out. That, that, would, that caused mental health, that mental attitude that, you know, like alcoholism. I had two players that were alcoholics. And both of them, glad to say, have got through that problem. John Dunley, great player at Dunfermline, had a drink problem. Uh, the guy, uh, Andy McLaren, is it Andy? At Dundee United? Aye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him at Livingston? Uh, Raymond Stewart had him at Livingston, and uh, he had a problem. But they've got through that, and, and, and they're, they're putting someone back in the community. So that was how I was, I was, and when I was younger, I didn't know how to handle all that. You had to go and, and get advice and whatever, eh? Because it's a special technique, but you're always there. If you avoid it and, and you didn't talk to each other about it, you can never solve it. So I was a great communicator with them, right? Come here, we have a problem here. How can I help you? What can we do? How do you think you can get, what do you need? And you give them that support, Mikey. I was a great person for supporting them all. Yeah. And helping them. The management. Finances sometimes became a wee problem that they want to do this and, and whatever. And you would say, right, how can I help you? Bump, bump. We'll sign you again for next year because you was going to anyway and you'll get a wee help that way early on. So, but I, I was quite good at it, Mikey. I, I, I worked with disabled people before I became a manager at Cowdenby's Job Centre. People with, uh, and I was taught, it's not what you can't do, 
it's what you can do. So then these people deserved an opportunity to be the best they could be. And, and, and that was a great learning curve before I became a manager. Eh? So, hey, right, you can't do that. You can't do that. Mm. But what can we do to help satisfy what you want to do? And, and I just got stuck into that. But if I'm being honest, I didn't have loads of problems. Eh? Not loads and loads and loads. Yeah. More so at Livingston when you went back up again. Eh? Yeah. Bigger. Well, I'm going to touch on Livingston. So uh-huh. you, you joined Livingston, well, Meadow Bank in the early days, and then this new club's created and they move out to Livingston and Almond Vale's built. What was it like in the early days? What, well, what was the ambitions of, of Livingston uh, well, for you? Oh, well, I, I, right, but I, 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 my ambitions for, for Livingston, Meadowbank, <clears throat> I went to see the project at, at Livingston when, when they were still erecting, right? They were just building the stadium. It wasn't a complete or anything. And, and I went with the chairman at the time, Bill Hunter, and they showed me, he's the team in West Lothian, professional team. You had Hibs and Hearts, Edinburgh. You had Motherwell, Hamilton. Albion, all the teams that side. Falk, whatever. But then West Lothian's a big place. So we're the only team. I said, that's, that's, that's an amazing start to have you. You've got all this West Lothian to, to target. You're never going to convert the Hearts and Hibs for that side. But, but So I saw that potential. Uh, my first game at Meadowbank, Dumbarton, and I'm in the dressing room and I'm doing my chat and meeting the players. I knew a lot of the players, but I'm meeting them and they were, they were going to get relegated. Eh? But I said, right, it's important for me to find out about them, to see who I'm keeping and who I'm not keeping. So we went out and there was a big dispute at the time for the old Meadowbank supporters wouldn't want to leave the Commonwealth Stadium to go to Livingston. And they were all ante going through. I didn't realise how bad it was, eh? So when I walked out, I'm clapping the fans. And they're all booing. And I'm saying, what the hell's that about? But I forgot that Dumbarton played in the same colours as Meadowbank Thistle. So I'm clapping. <laughs> yeah, the Dumbarton and waving to the Dumbarton supporters. They're all giving me the finger and booing and I thought. Then I realised, I said, oh, Christmas, that's the Dumbarton supporters. That's silly toy. But one one nothing. Jason Young scored. We beat Murdo McLeod was in charge of Dumbarton. So that was, that was it. But again, the issues at early doors at Meadowbank. Some players, I can't come in to train on a Thursday. How no? It's my, my wife's bingo night. That was what happened. So I says, look, you're really, that's not good to me. So if you go and get yourself a team, and uh, away he went, got a team, and boys were. You can. I understood how they could get relegated, and went, but then it was through at Armenville, build my own team. Brought Willie Callaghan doing, and Willie did. Who well. was important for you in those early days, player wise? Like, Gordon McLeod, right? Pudo played with Dundee United, a bad injury there, but he came. He was uh, Stuart Williamson, excellent. Uh, Rob Douglas was a goalie. Horace Stout, a goalie, great. Rob, I got £110,000 for him to Dundee. Cowboy, McCormack signed him. And and the winger, a lot of good players. Chris Sinclair at the club. Sinky, he was great. He won the third division, then he moved on. 
Young think he's a good player. I gave him his debut at Dunfermline. So I enjoyed, enjoyed that. Sorry, Livingston. You spent eight years at Livingston. Uh-huh. And the rise Lengthy. of the division, like say, fairy tale stuff. Oh, it's great. What, what's your memory of looking back at oh, the, I, the dream come true at Livingston? Oh, it was unbelievable, Mike. Honestly, unbelievable. To, to go in and the very first game at Almondville, it was 4,100 people turned up to see what was happening. We never won a game until the November or something. But November, sorry, I'm ahead of myself. We, my first season, we were, doing, we were beating teams at Merrill Bank in the Cup. We went up to, one of my first games was Montrose in the Cup. Up there, and I said to George McNeil, I said, George, I had a hard time at Montrose, I didn't do well. So if I want to shout something, you go out and shout the players. Best sign I ever made, George McNeil at Meadowbank and Livingston. He was there nine years or ten. Great. Ask him to do, ask him, George, go on two games, assess their fitness for me. Have a look at their fitness and uh, see if I can improve them. And he went and did that, gave you a great report. And I, I said to him, George, I want you to be my assistant manager. Jim, I've never been in that. I said, George, you're the world champion. Who's not going to listen to you about fitness? You get them fit and I'll do the rest and the two will work together. Mm-hmm. You, you've got the greatest respect for folk, man. And you played with Hibs, Morton and, and still in that. Come on, come on, let's go and let's see where we can go. And come on, great. Moving to Almondvale and uh, 4,000 people there. The first game at Almondvale, sell out. But we, 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 we couldn't win. We never got beat, but we couldn't win at Almondvale. But anyway, we got it sorted out. We got one in. We won the league my first year, the third division. And amazingly, I just kept saying, I learned for Livingston. I learned for Dunfermline for Livingston because one mistake I made, I, I took a lot of the players to the Premier League way that had come for the second division first to the Premier, who had never let me do. It's been great, but it was just a, a journey too far for them. And for different reasons, eh? But I spoke to him and said, look, you're, I'm not going to sign you again. I'm a, this is Dunfermline. But you're not leaving here as a failure, that's for sure. Look what you just achieved. But I'm bringing my own boys on. That's when Cosmo arrived. Yeah. Rose Jack, George O'Boyle, all these boys to, to, to take us there. Eh? So I learned that at Livingston. So when I moved up the leagues, I started bringing better players in, better players. And we won the third, the second, the first division, the the January sales. We played Raith Rovers on the Saturday. We got humped 4-1 or something. Marvin Andrews, Stephen Tosh, all the Raith Rovers hammered us. I got a phone call on the Monday, a strange phone call on the Monday for the chairman of Ruth Rovers. I didn't realise that we were having a hard time. And the chairman of the throw was, was just trying to save the club. He was trying to save them. Financially, they were, they were doomed. He says, well, and he says, right, Jim, what players would you like? I says, what do you mean? He says, pick some players and we'll see if we can get a deal. And I says, right, okay. Martin Andrews gave us a price. I'm, I'm like this, astound it. Because they were big wages for them, eh? They were trying to get... It wasn't just the signing off or, or the transfer fee. I was getting rid of that amount of money. I, I, he says, right, who else? Alec Burns, Toasty, the striker. He was the top scorer in that division for two years. Brought him. And then anybody else, I says, I quite like Stephen Tosh. 
So I phoned him off. Look, I've done a deal with the club. If you want to come through, I'm not a stock to your agents. That, that's what you're all getting offered. You're all getting offered the same. If you want to sign for Livingston, because we're going places, you come through. So they come through in the afternoon. The deal was done. And we went and won the, won the first division. Brought in Fernandes for Airdrie. Brought for Airdrie. So that was like five boys and it takes strength and the, mm -hmm. the push. What oh, great. Who was your best signing for Livingston? Oh, Fernandes. Fernandes. Oh, they do. Martin Andrews. But Fernandes was superb for Livingston. Twice. Twice when he went to Celtic and come back. Four year contract to go after a, 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 a season and a bit. Martin O'Neill signed him. <laughs> Fantastic. Brilliant player, wasn't he? Oh, Oh, so you rise up through the divisions, you get to the Premier League, mm -hmm. or the SPL as it was called at the time, you finish third, uh -huh. first season. Can you believe it? How, how did you achieve that? What, just, how could you pinpoint, what did you do? Just create a good squad, is that what it was? Signing good players, mate. Good that's players. what I did at Dunfell and that's how I got them up. John Watson said that, I always said that, right? You, you didn't sign good players when you're struggling, because they it might not work out because they're joining a struggling team. When you're doing well, bring them in. And that makes the ones that are doing well, whew, I better keep doing well, because there are boys coming in to take my place. How do you think the Fenland players felt? Right? Cosma was getting mere wages in the mall, because Hungarian international, but uh, that's when we were getting 13 and a half thousand. Cosma played a big, I think we, he increased the gates by about 15 thunder. Mm -hmm. Increased them, but that just to see them. Yeah. Uh, 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 it was great, and we did that at Livingston. But, oh, we just gave them the belief. We had all the meetings, they got treated properly. You got great bonuses for, for achievement, eh? And I never said, I never said to them, Let, let's finish second bottom at Livingston. No. What was the aim that season? To finish about eighth. Right. Finish about eighth. Seventh or eighth. And then if we achieve that, we can see, right, let's go to top six. Well, we're, we're going to the top six, but I didn't think we were out the top six all season. So when the top six come, my first game was Celtic at Parkgate. Celtic won the league that day. They beat us 5-1 five, five or something. Aberdeen up there, who were challenging, Ebbs Covedal, they were challenging to get finished third. And uh, we got beat 2-0 up there, but we still had three games to go. If we won the three games, boys, so it was always positive. Win the three games... A, a Rangers at Almondville, Dunfermline at East End, and Hearts, I think. If we win the three, we can finish third top. We beat Rangers 2-1. Amarusa scored first, and Stuart Lovell scored, and somebody else. An overhead kick for Stuart Lovell, brilliant. Went to East End, we beat East End, it beat Dunfermline 4-1, four, four I think. Jimmy Calder was... That's a strong Dunfermline team. A strong team, point. we beat them 4-1. And a... The heart three too. Amazing, eh? I the last three games. And then European football. What was that like? That was great. What an experience, man. Livingston. You know what I mean? Just a wee team to start. And coming up, we're, we're, we're the third best team in Scotland. For a year. Celtic, Rangers, Livingston. Uh, unbelievable, Mikey. And uh, the first game was... Uh, Vaduce for Liechtenstein. We drew her there. We drew them 1-1 over there. And we came here, we drew nothing, nothing. 
we goals we got through them. We got Stuart Gratz, who had beat Rangers 5 9 the year before. So that was a big game. We got beat 5 2 or there and won 4 3 here. 8 6 on aggregate. We'd never got beat Almond Vale. A clean and, European record for eh? Livingston. A clean record. At home. At home, aye. Oh, nobody. Class, mate. Class. And they, oh, it's great. Great. And then. Yeah, then I got the the next year I got the call back for the next year we finished we survived the next year fourth I think bottom four for the bottom you started losing players by then because eh? bigger teams were coming in Fernandez went Fernandez went Broto went a lot of the poor Kino best player in the midfielder in the Premier League that year best player in the, I'm telling you the boy Rubio was class as well Oscar Rubio he went away and came back mm-hmm. He, 19 year old he played for Real Madrid yeah. in the Spanish Cup final 19 he'd lost his way a bit went to Portugal and bum, 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 bum. but then what? he made Marvin Andrews mm-hmm. that season he get he get Marvin hard as nails today boy called Branquan as well with Philippe, Philippe Branquan the right back Gary uh-huh. Bowling left back no but solid solid team and solid defenders and uh, David Bingham Barry Wilson Stephen Tosh Fernandez, Nathan Lowndes was up. Nathan didn't do that great, Aye. but he was a, a decent boy. Great. Uh, uh, who else played up front? Um, oh, the Canadian boy. I didn't see eye to him. Marino Keith. He was there. He was earlier. He wasn't in that that, that team. But there, there was a a, a boy. Oh, I can't remember. But yeah. Built a great team though. Oh, it? great team. Great team. And then just after that, Jim, in June 2003, no, was it June 2003? You moved up to Stair at Livingston, I'm right. saying. And then in May 2000, and, was it May 2003? You got approached for the Dunfermans? Well, I, went, I moved for a year. Right. At Livingston. Got when they were in the uh, second division. Then... After that, it went wrong for Raymond Stewart. Raymond did a great job, mm-hmm. and then they put me back in charge. Yeah. Then uh, Davy Hay come in. Yeah. And, and that, then, that, then, then I got approached after that. So it was only, a, it was only a season up there, and that's when they were building all the extensions. And Dominic, I couldn't believe what he said, Jim. Look, I need you. I says, I says, no, I need you to help me with the project. So I was going around checking it, making sure Emily was getting bought right. So it was quite an important job. I was quite, thanks Christ. Dominic says, honestly, Christ, I've got a £60,000 buy rise. Eh? And one, one afternoon, what do you do? You turn it down? No. And then Raymond came in. And I liked Raymond. Eh? It was me that gave him the job. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out. Although yeah. he won the second division, it wasn't working out and got put back in. Aye. And we won the first division. Ah, that that was huge success and David he was a great uh, him and I got in great Mm -hmm. him and I got in great so how how did the return to Dunfermline come about Uh, was was that an easy decision for you to come back because obviously Livingston at that point everything's going brilliant you've just been in Europe Uh, uh, but no Livingston were uh, they were losing all the good players Mikey and uh, I knew there was going to be a turnaround there at that time, I knew what was happening, and uh, they, they brought a Brazilian coach in, and I says, "No, I'm away." And I was at the sportsman's dinner on the on the park. The big marquee. Yeah, I was a guest, and then Gavin Marston says, "Oh, Jim," because and I got a great reception when when the, uh, I think Bert Al was 
I got a great reception and Gav Masterton said to me, Jim, you have to, you, your home is Dunfermline. Well, I didn't know what to leave. He says, I know the story and blah, blah, blah. I had a meeting with John Yorkson. John Yorkson, I, I, was, I was a year away from my testimonial at Livingston. Eh? So I would, I would have got a great, great bit Dunfermline the call and I says, look, John, I've got a testimony. He says, stay five years, Jim. Give us five more years and what you've done before in the five more years, eh, you'll get your testimony. I didn't think Gavin Master and found out about that. No. Sort of crazy. So, but that's, that's hey, history. So you come back to Dunfermline uh -huh. as a general manager at the time. Whatever it was. Nah. Uh, you were doing a bit of everything. I really. didn't know why I get called director of football because I knew that Jimmy Calderwood wouldn't have wanted that. Yeah. You know, Jimmy was his own man and he was the one to come to me to this and that and that and that and that. And, that. and I didn't want that hassle because I wasn't there to interfere with Jimmy Calderwood's stuff. Jimmy was doing all right at the time. Spent a lot of money, Jimmy. Uh, the club was on a high at that point, wasn't it? Well, Good players coming in. And I tried to sign Craig Brewster. For Livingston, when I was at Livingston, and I couldn't afford them because Dunfermline were paying another 500 quid or something. Mm -hmm. And I offered them, or we offered this agent, a lot of money, and Dunfermline outbid us. Yeah. So that was, and that was the problem later on. Just when I came in, but when I came back six months later, that's when you had to go and tell the players, look, lads, you have to take a cut, you're not getting your, you're not getting appearance money, you're not getting this and that. And I'm saying, off. Oh, I didn't realise all this was going to go on. Must have been hard to, to deal with that if you're having to front oh, that up. Well, I didn't create the problem, Mikey. Yeah. There was some highs, obviously, in that period. We got to the cup final. Oh, I agree. Four tremendous. I agree. The semi-final, Barry Nicholson's goal was amazing goal. Yeah. Wonderful goal. Well, we finished fourth in the, in the league that, that season as well. Outside uh, Hearts were third. Great. Incredible achievement. Uh -huh. A lot of money was getting spent, like you say. Uh -huh. but uh -huh. It was a brilliant place. time as a supporter. Uh -huh. Great. Great. A bit... But no enough he is. Aye. No enough supporters for fourth top and you you were averaging four and a half thousand, Mikey. Mental. I know. Just wasn't happening off the park. Livingston, third top, and we were averaging eight and a half thousand a ten thousand four hundred stadium. And you're averaging eight and a half thousand at Almondville. Mm -hmm. the, the sponsorship we were getting, Mitsubishi Electric, uh, NEC, oh them. Motorola. Motorola, that's who it was. It wasn't NEC. More, you're getting huge companies weighing the doing because they're getting great publicity. I had me uh, the Motorola phones. Can they be phones? <laughs> I had a, Chris, I was like, it was like Star Trek. <laughs> Bring me a board, Scotty. Yeah, hello, the wee phones. I, I, I was getting the newest models every time because I was promoting them. It was great. Brilliant. Great. Go back to the Dunfermline thing. Jimmy Calderwood leaves after that. David Hay comes in, it doesn't quite work. You then get the, the shout to get back in the dugout. How did all that come? Uh, It was sad. He, and, uh, uh, a wee regret. Uh, Ian, for the commercial office, Ian was working, and Rodney Shearer, they come and says, Jim, what about on Saturday, you and I, Rodney, uh, will go and sit with the fans and try and encourage them to do well, eh? Playing Livingston, believe it or not. So I agreed to do that, and I regret doing that, because... I think it was disrespectful to Davy. Well, when I look back, I, did, I would never be disrespectful to Davy. Hey? Of course. Because I, I, I helped him get the job. Yeah. But it's wrong, ain't it? I should have been there, there at the, and especially with Davy getting beat to nothing.
And I regret doing that. And I say that to Davey, I say to Davey. And he says, no, Jim, whatever. Didn't affect us all. It was, we got beat 2-0 and we got the second on Monday. And to be fair to Dunfermline, they, they, they paid him what he was due and he got that. And it, it'd still be welcome back. Dunfermline mm-hmm. uh, would be welcome back, I'm sure. The fans, it didn't work out. A couple of things. He, sitting in the stand, sat, David sat in the stand at, at Dunfermline because he had a bad eye and he could see in the stand a better view of the game. The fans didn't appreciate that. David didn't want to make an excuse. And, and, and he changed the training times and whatever, whatever, whatever. And anyway, it didn't work out. Then I got asked to take over for three games. <laughs> it was a bit magical, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Dundee won 5 0. Unbelievable. And well, ignore Kilmarnock. Oh. But Tanadice. My, my fault, my fault, Kilmarnock, and I'll explain why. But David got. Uh, David finished on the Monday. Tuesday I went in and I had a good talking to with the boys, seeing how disappointed I was in their performances. And uh, I'm here for three. And the, the 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 directors were preparing for the first division, looking at budgets and where they can save money, save money. And I, <coughs> I didn't want any of that nonsense. Hey. And I told the players we can still stay up, and I, I gave them this their. their mental strength eh? and I looked at everyone you can play you can play and I told them what they could do but it's up to you to do it I can't make you do it I can encourage you to do it get anyway I, I went and I, that was a Tuesday Wednesday went for a a, a a walk along the coast countryside for Aberdour towards Burntown and back had a bar lunch that was our training Thursday we got down to the nitty gritty Friday Craig Robertson and Hamish friends did great they were great support to me then the two of them really, really did their job. They they played a huge part in that, and and I mean that genuinely. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the Saturday, and as I said, when I walked to and I saw eight and a half thousand folk, maybe a wee bit more in the stadium cheering them on, and I said, "What a lift that's given me!" So it must have given the players a lift, and we got stuck in it. I come in the court and the courier, Jim Duffy, saying, "My pal," Jim says. I don't know what all the fuss is about. Jim Leishman is not playing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it wasn't on the park, Jimmy, but uh, uh, yeah, boy, a lot of Jim Leishman's spirit was on the park. Ah, it was a brilliant day, that. Oh, it was Scotch hot as well, I remember. It was great. Great. And the escape, the great escape, yeah. it was called. And, and then Tanadice was just amazing. To go up there, because Derek Stilley was brilliant. All the defenders were brilliant. They had a great team, Dundee United, didn't they? They should never have been Jim down Martin to the table. Jim Martin to. Derek McInnes. All the boys. Aye. Yeah. And uh, as I say, Derek Stilley had a really good game. And the defenders, defend, and Gary Mason, who was getting inducted on Saturday the Hall of Fame as well. Great, great boys. They worked their socks off. We, uh, Craig. Craig Wilson. Craig Wilson. Ian Campbell. Local yeah. boys as well. Uh, uh, Gave the roll, didn't they? Greg Ross. Greg Ross. Craig Wilson, I just said to Craig Ross, you're playing against uh, Barry Robinson. Internet, uh, he'll be up and do You get him chasing your backside. You make sure he's got to chase you that way because he'll not enjoy that. Ten minutes to go. Fell down taking cramp. Well done, Craig, boy. Well done. You've done your job, son. And we got the goalie. A draw would have been all right, but to get the winner. That full time, eh? Oh, amazing. 
Amazing. Incredible day, that. Like. Oh, great. A 10-minute delay. And after the game, we were all celebrating, obviously. We were delighted. Six goals, four, none against. You had to get beat C nine or something to, to get relegated the last game at Kilmarnock. Anyway, the the um talk to me. The uh we're on the dressing room, jumping up down, still uh, great and then knocking the door. Uh, fourth official, Craig Craig uh, Roberts says, Gaffer, uh, uh, uh Dougals want to see. What's that about? And she said, Jim, can you see Stuart's going? Is what I speak to because he was refereeing the Livingston game when we go beat Dunan. He was the same referee. So I goes in and shoot one at Jim. That was amazing. What a turnaround for two, three games ago. Amazing. Well done. I says, Oh, thanks. You're very kind. I was going to turn it go. He says, Jim, I've got to report you to the SFA. You're going to, what for? Over exuberant celebrations. <laughs> I says, You're joking me. What, what, what? The, the match commander. I had a complaint for some Dundee United fans that you were uh, inciting trouble, basically. Ah, just with the aeroplane. I says, sure, come on, you were there, sure. Why, why are you not booking me, sure? I says, Jim, I couldn't see the places. Come on, sure, Chris. I've just saved loads of people's jobs. I'm so excited to keep my team up. He's a Brit, I says, Jim. That's a match commander's going. Have you anything to say? I say, I tell him to f off. <laughs> I'm sure when they told them that, but yeah. uh, and that's it. And I got a phone call going down the road on the Joe, the Queensway, what was it called? Jim, I spoke to him and there's been no trouble. He says, everything's fine, so forget it. I says, great, Stuart. So what was, what happened over those two games? What, did you just give the players belief? It's all mental. No, it's all mental. People say there's no fit, there's no training. Nothing to do with fitness. Fitness is, is Intrinsic motivation, Mikey. Internal motivation is the biggest strength you have. Intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic it was a bonus. Mm -hmm. If you get a bonus for doing something, that's extrinsic. That's external motivation. You go and try and achieve it to get that. Intrinsic is the strongest power you've got. That feeling. You'll go, you've got uh, your, your kids, Mikey. If they're starving, you'll go and get your bag, steal and borrow to feed them. And that's intrinsic. And, and and that's what that's what I had done. And I gave them the belief that they can do this. You can't be any worse, you're bottom of the league. You've none to lose. Let's get it done. Let us show. Hey, two years ago you're in a cup final. Two or three years ago. You're in a cup final and the same boys. Come on, get the thing out. Just talk them the truth. Talk them the truth. You're better than that what you're showing. Give them something to shout about. Well, you must have enjoyed it because you decided to stay on the following season. Was it a mistake? No. no. Because I didn't know the seriousness of the financial situation, Mike. I didn't know that, honestly. Or I maybe made the change with distancing. Why it was a mistake, I kept them up the next year and I got to the cup final. Mm -hmm. What I know of that was walking out of Hamden, leading your team out. I'm feeling like I don't know about the, a wee back in the, the war times, Willie Knight, if he was a Dunfermline supporter, did he, did he get, I don't, but in modern times, for the 60s, Jock Steen, Celtic, Willie Cunningham, Irish, a, a George Farm, George Farm Blackpool. Yeah. Then it goes to the, to be called the Wood Rangers. Mm -hmm. uh, who else? Well, Jockey Scott was the 91, obviously. Dundee. Dundee boy, aye. And then and, uh, and Jim Leishman. 
Don't fail one. It's a boater. There's a tough cup final that though, eh? Ah. Ah. Really tough. Things happen before uh, that uh, limited our chances. Mm -hmm. Darren Young broke his stay. No hunt hurt his back, playing trampolines up at St Andrews. Two two really important players with uh, no hunt and, and Mark Burchill. Great. Yeah, they were a good pairing, weren't they? Great. When, when I paired them together after the January window, the two of them, Mark Burch was scoring for fun. No Hunt was causing all sorts of trouble. And then Dan Young with the field scored the penalty in the semi-final to get up there. And, and uh, I didn't have a big enough squad, eh? Didn't have a big... The, some of them were injured. And then you had the... the two injuries to them. Andy Campbell played. It was just in the door, basically, uh, wasn't it? Out of position. Freddie Danquan. All the great players we had. Freddie, a good lad. And he, he, he goes away with our runners up in the League Cup against Celtic. Again. See, see that period as a manager, Jim, how did that compare to 10 years prior at Livingston and then 10 years prior to that at Dunfermline? The game was starting to change. And no. How was, did you cope with that? Was it difficult? Or no, no. I, was it still the same? No, no, my, type, my type of management, I could go back and manage now because my mind's all this mental attitude and getting the best out of the people, eh? getting the, preparing them for the performance, then I would take over to make sure the performance, they were going to play at their best. That was my strength. That never changes. Klopp and, what's his name, Pep? Guardiola. Guardiola, yeah. all the boys, Martin O'Neill, all the modern managers at the time, they, they were never on the training all the time. They, they employed people to do it, but they were good at so my style, I could cope with that. And I was great, and I learned early on, because as a manager at the, as a young, I had to learn quickly. But when I went to Livingston, I was still learning, eh? Still mm. learning. You're always learning, I suppose, aren't you? Yeah. Constantly no, changing. No. What was the, the most important lesson you learned, would you say, over your football management career? To tell the truth. Not if far about In the early days, I would muck about and try and make it easier for the boy. Why I'm leaving you, or why I'm no, no. sorry, Mikey. I'm not playing this week. Why you know what's it? Well, I've got a better option this this week, and, and tell them the truth rather than be soft. And sometimes I was too soft as a manager. Just say, look, sorry, because the outcome the same. You're not going to be happy. You're going to still go away and no like me for that that time. But you'll no like me better if I tell you the truth. So get the truth to and get it done. It's a good one. Do you miss football management? Uh, no. Don't miss it? No. I've got a great job, Mikey. Uh, you know, to, to go into this as a provost for... Uh, the longest serving provost in Scotland. What an honour that is, eh? 11 years ago, 40 ago, and uh, how that come about was was amazing. And to get re-elected for the third time is just phenomenal for me and for my, for my family. Yeah. Honour, eh? no, great, Mike. And to meet the king, uh, get an MBA for the queen, meet them all, eh? meet the Prince Philip and uh, uh, Holyrood. And that's just the political side. Football-wise, Alec Ferguson and Martin O'Neill, all, all the people I've come across in my life, top guys, top Jim McLean was great. Uh, Jock Steen. Jock Steen, all of them. All of them, Mike, yeah. Jock Wallace, great. Told you before you entered this book. I'll have to do it, Mikey. I'll have to do it. From ball to chain, from football to provost. I've Amazing. got the title. I've got it for somebody in Crossford. 
for the Crossroads Rotary Club, I think. He was the, the secretary. You better get it copyrighted. Uh, I'll <laughs> get it done now, but great. I've had a great time, Mikey. Brilliant. If you could pick one moment in your whole managerial career that you could relive right now, what would it be? Dundee United won nothing would be a great because I saved the whole team. Not me, but that moment in time, my club was saved for relegation. Brilliant. Walking out the cup final, terrific. And you said before the staff kept their jobs. It was much bigger than just the football. Oh, it, was, it goes. People didn't realise that. They were keeping. So many. It's hard to distinguish between them all. Finishing third at Livingston, brilliant. Leading to Fernand out in the cup final, brilliant. He, 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 keeping them up that day, Tanadice, absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. you, it wasn't just, the, it wasn't just. It was looking out, see at Tanadice after the final was and, and looking around, and the the faces of your, some of them your pals, some of them your it was tears it, everywhere. Right? Everywhere, it was just unbelievable. The adulation you got, oh great. And then the cup final to see 17,500 fans, and you're walking out there proud as punch, but you know you've got a Jimmy Johnson cup final that was called mm -hmm. a slim, slim chance. And it wasn't, it wasn't like me because I always believed I've got a chance, eh? yeah. but in my heart, I knew you know, all the other factors that was going on, and nah, it was uh, difficult. Eh? And then in the third, when at Tynecastle, when we beat Hearts 3 2. Can you remember we had to beat Rangers, Dunfermline and Hearts to finish third? What an achievement that is. The last three games, and we convinced them we could do this, we, we did it. To go down on the park and celebrate, and celebrate. That's like winning the league, Mike. Amazing, amazing. Just before we wrap this up, Jim, which has been absolutely superb, I've got some bonus questions that I want to ask you. Right? <laughs> so the new owners have come in. the yeah, club. Yeah, You're yeah. back in the dugout. They say we've got unlimited funds. You can sign one player, anyone, who would it be? And why? The Man City striker. Harland. Ah, phenomenal. Phenomenal finish. Ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, 48 goals. <laughs> Unbelievable. De Bruyne. He's young. I think he's only 23. Ah, he's going to be phenomenal because he's creating, his, his team's creating so many chances for him. So it's not just one player, it's, it's everything about him. Brilliant. His teammates. De Bruyne's great. Good good choice. Who was the best signing you made in football? Dunfermline. Best value for money, John Watson. Definitely. John said that to his girlfriend at the time, they only got 350 quid. He got 500 quid. I'm looking at what he says. You got 500 quid and I think he told her he only got 350. Why would you give somebody 350? <laughs> 500 quid. Get a grip, Watson. Right? And Fernandez. That's when Cosmo was up there. Yeah. For what he did for the, 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 for the community. Rose Jack, great value for money. 21 gold. Uh, loads of players. Davy Moyes. No, no, no. Davy Moyes with the knee teeth. The, the, the bricky. Mm -hmm. Great. Gary Thompson. Great. Ross Jack, great. Watson, great. Yeah. I didn't sign McCarthy, but I, I made him a centre defender. Uh, putting him back there, he become a, a superstar at Dunfermline. Fernandez, 
Wally Callaghan for Inverness. Take Wally Callaghan up to Inverness and ask Inverness people about him. He was a star up there. Yeah. It was never Cosmo or George Jack or that, George Abel standard or Fernandes, but that, that, that league, Wally was great. Brilliant. A few good, good players there, Jim. Uh-huh. Who would you say your best friend in football is? <sighs> Andy Young is up there early on in my career. Signed me at 14. Encouraged me when I was uh, a young manager. Thought I was a really good teenage player. Promoted me over the shop. Uh, so he was important to me. George McNeil George McNeil nine years with me at Livingston was just fantastic mm-hmm. Gregory Abel great early days at Dunfermline Greg, Gregor was super and uh, I great there's so many TVA because I treat them with respect yeah. and, and I needed them all I needed them all to do what they could do brilliant Jim Yes, a, a different one. Who would you say is the most famous person in your phone book? <laughs> Alec Ferguson. It's got to be Alec Ferguson. That's a good choice. Uh, it's got to be. Brilliant. There's no many better than that. Uh, next one. I know you like your music and you uh-huh. like your records. Uh-huh. If you could go on a desert island tomorrow and you could take one record, what would it be? I would take the... The Drifters, Quando, 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 because I can dance myself to that. <laughs> I'd get a coconut stuck on a, a, a pole, make the arms and legs, I'd be dancing. Dance. Tell me, Quando, 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 tell yeah. me when, because it's a great music. Eh? I love all sorts of music, Mike. All sorts of music. People do read classical, I like it. If you see my collection there, yeah, I was watching, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Paul Simon, uh, the, the the great one. The, oh, what's it? What's it called? I'm saying it's a great one. I can't remember the name. Uh, when he was in the South African thing, when he, what's it called? What's it help you called? Oh, it's great. So I've got it there. Brilliant. Ian Warwick, superb. So are live. Great. Every song she sang was a hit. You're a big Nazareth fan as well. Naz, big country. Mm-hmm. I was uh, sad to hear about uh, Daryl Sweet on the drums and then, then Dan McCaffrey. Sad, great boysmen, great Dunfermline supporters. Yeah. And, uh, but Pete Agnew still keeping them going and uh, you know, you saw the, the, the skids and, and uh, Big country still getting appearances here and there, which is great. Great songs, man. Aye, superb. And finally, just to wrap this up, tell us a funny dressing room story oh, from your great. time in football. A clean one. Aye, <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, that's... I, I was at Livingston, and I'd signed Greg Muller, Alec Muller's laddie. I playing Clyde Bank, I think it was. Was it Clyde Bank or Clyde uh, Almond Vale? And... Uh, Alec, uh, uh, Greg, it was playing. It wasn't. It wasn't working out too much for him. So we're drawing nothing, nothing at half time. We're trying to get promotion, and I was so disappointed in their attitude. So I come in, and it, you've got to be in the dressing room. We see this where 
Mike Rockets, that was there, Ian Muller and George were standing in this door with a big, to the showers. It was like open plan, so the dressing was there. He walks through there in the showers and I'm standing there. I'm going off my head at the players. Yeah, and this and well. And I left it the paper basket, right? A big paper basket. And I looked and I shoot it towards them. They're shooting them. They all, they all ran back at the shower and the showers were on, eh? No. <laughs> and all the players are all laughing. I'm trying to be deadly serious. They were all soaked trying to hide for the showers. And if you had seen it, it's funnier when you see it when you're there, when they all run out. And this fucking paper basket, woof, right into the showers. And they were, they were all getting soaked. That was a funny. That was funny. Brilliant, sir. Yeah. The big Duke Rugby, half time. Big Duke. We're playing St. Martin. And we lost a goal, and I think Doogie was at fault for it. I was up in the stairs, I was upstairs, I was band up in the... And I was coming down, and big Doug Rugby got the shit off, and he's going to kill Ian Monroe. Ian Monroe had said something, and so I, I goes in. But, well, Ian Monroe wasn't arguing with Doug Rugby, he was, he was out the road, eh? And I'm trying to get Doogie to sit down, and I'm on his shoulders, and I'm pulling him down. And he wasn't moving, eh? The big rib cage, or something. So I says, right. And I, I get with uh, Dave Irons or Raymond Farron or something. He was tying his lace. And you, don't tie your lace. You listen to me when I'm getting on to something. That changed the whole subject away from the green. <laughs> and that was it. Oh, that's oh, so loads, of, loads of funny stuff. Things. Brilliant. Things that are rolling about in the flare with some of the players. You, you can want to kill each other and all this. And, Great, we just, just put it and see at five o'clock, you win one man. Well, well, let's get a beer. Yeah. Great, man. Just so pro. Time. I had a great time, Mikey. I'm filming. You asked me if we would you go back. I think going back for the last three games and in that period, that satisfied my disappointment leaving Tom Fairman in the first place. Because people forget how successful I was when I went back. Mm -hmm. What it meant. You know, I left because my wife was ill at the, at the end. We got beat for Hibs, four and a half on the Tuesday. And I went the next day and said, look, I can't cope it because I'm having to look after that and this. And her dad had died, her uncle and auntie had died, her mum had died and my sister had died and all the folk, whatever. And I said, right, come on, you're killing yourself here. You're not doing a good job. Let's get out the road and let somebody else come in. But you know, when I went back, I'd, you know, think about it, Mickey. I know. Think about if you've got all that going on, obviously, off the field, you're, you can't dedicate 100% no, to the football could, stuff, could you? But, it, but as I say, if you think what had happened when I went back, three games to go, kept them up. Next year, kept them up again, easy, and got them to the cup final. Yeah. Saved them. £750,000 they got for that cup final. Because everybody, all the tickets were only so. As soon as Jimmy Johnson passed away on the Tuesday, the Celtic fund bought all the tickets, no matter what end, to to pay tribute to their hero, Jimmy Johnson. Celtic, don't film him. I wish I'd came. <laughs> well, it's a good way to finish off your managerial career, eh? It was great, Mike. Jim, thanks very much no, no. for your time. It's been a pleasure catching up with you as always. Well, could be here all day. It's great, Mike. I could be here all day talking about Don't Film and Livingston. Many managers will get a chance to do it twice. To do it twice, Mike. You know, at that level. Mm. There is you, if any. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you look after yourself. Come on, Thank a pass. You.
Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on all popular platforms such as Apple iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks to our guest on this episode of Walking Down the Hobby Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokiewicz and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former player in the next episode. Thank you for listening.